Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome back to 2021, uh, to a new year and a, hopefully a bit more positive than 2020. Um, today we have, we've got a guest with us, Anne Jewellerat, uh, who's been a friend of probably Melinda longer than mine, but both, both of us, we've known uh, Anne for quite a while. Um, and today we're doing a bit of a story because it's 10 years on from the 2011 flood. Absolutely. Welcome back and Happy New Year to everybody. It is great to be um, producing some more episodes of the Brisbane Property Podcast for you. And we thought to kickstart the year, um, what better way than to reflect on what happened in Brisbane 10 years ago and who could forget the 2011 floods and how significant that impact was for our city and certainly for so many individuals whose homes were impacted. And we have invited our friend and uh, our guest today, Anne, onto the podcast because Anne, a very dear friend of mine, uh, was severely impacted in those floods and she has decided to share her uh, story today and we're really grateful for that. So thank you, Anne, and welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you. So I guess there's a lot of memories that will come. I was going to say flooding back. That's probably not the way to put it to start with. And uh, and I'll let Melinda jump in with a, a few more details as she does. But um, and you're it's Corinda, obviously, is where you live. Yes. Can you just tell me, obviously, from ten years uh, on from the floods? But you bought, I believe, you said in two thousand and one. Yes, in Corinda. that is correct. Why did you buy Corinda? Um, we love the area. I grew up in Tarragindi, loved the leafy, you know, open spaces, green spaces. And um, my husband, David, was from the country and, you know, we're very close to a pony club. So it's the, the mix of the city and the country in one. And we overlook beautiful, beautiful green space and I can actually see horses from my kitchen. Yeah, it's a pretty special place and I know having visited um, your home a number of times, it feels like you're in the country even though you're right in the city because you do back on to so much, you know, parkland and is that a pony club just down yeah. the road? Yeah, yeah sure so is. and obviously that's one of the things that attracted you to the home itself, being able to look out from the kitchen, you know, over parkland. Yeah, absolutely. So when, when you bought and obviously um, what we do in our business um, as buyers agents for people is we do all our research and we do a lot of that. I guess back at that time, you know, the previous flood was 74 um, that did impact the area. Did you know of or did you do any research into flood overlays? No. So we did ask the real estate at the time whether this place had flooded and I believe we were given misinformation and were told that it was um, built just after the floods, which isn't fact. It, um, from one of our people that came and helped us. He actually lived there and the house had been completed in the December just prior to the flood. And, so I, and I guess after, after 74, Wivenhoe was built to stop the floods. Yeah. So I guess you would have probably thought at the time anyway that we're safe and, and we won't have that impact as well. Yeah, that's right. Yep. And I think, you know, that just goes to show you should um, never rely on what a real estate agent will tell you. And the fact is that a lot of um, people may not know all of the facts. And isn't that amazing that the guy that lived there in the 74 floods actually came back? We'll get yep. to that a little bit later in the podcast for sure. So if we just, if we just jump forward, obviously, um, into... The time January um, in 2011. What was the sort of timeframes on the um, on the flood, and then we'll um, we'll talk about some stories. 
So I'll just um, run through some facts to help some of our listeners understand what actually happened in the, the weeks and the days leading up to the significant flood event. And then Anne's going to share the story in terms of what actually happened to the home that she lives in and the homes around that area. But in December 2010, we actually had the wettest December in over 150 years. So, you know, that's significant in itself between the... Uh, 10th of January and then the 12th of January 2011, which was early in the new year, there was an average of 286 millimetres of rainfall per day over three days um, in the Brisbane River catchment area. Now, I actually remember that time we were sitting on the back deck, we had friends staying with us and all we could do was play board games, um, you know, because it was so wet. The rain was torrential and we often talked about, you know, what this would mean and would the kids be able to get back to school and those friends were from New South Wales and they were wondering whether they'd even be able to get back down to where they live. But obviously the big day was January the 13th um, and you would probably remember what day of the week was that? A Thursday. A Thursday, mm-hmm. thank you. January the 13th, 2011, for those that had that significant impact, it is a date that will be forever cemented in their minds. The Brisbane River peaked at 446, uh, sorry, 4.46 meters and that was at 2 57 a.m and tell us about what you were doing in the days leading up to the 13th um, and at what point did you realize that your home was going to be impacted by floodwaters that were coming through as a result of massive water releases from the Wyvernhoe Dam? Um, so as you said in the December it was the wettest December so I do remember thinking it was the like the most boring school holiday time frame. Um, you had and, three children. How Roughly how old were they back then? So there was seven, five and one. Yeah. And the seven-year-old, it was obviously his school holidays and it was boring. But we did, we do actually what we call, we've reclaimed our puddle. So the beautiful grassland that we overlook sometimes gives us a lake view and when we have that lake view um we go in our gumboots and we you know muck around and skip rocks and so we were doing that through the months of like the month of December but then on the morning of the Tuesday the 11th I was putting my photos up high in a cupboard um sorting lego um into order do have like order and um and then like have been given warnings from like my sisters um but didn't didn't believe it you know like it wasn't going to happen to me Mm. and you know the 74 floods I remember but they had some great memories for us um and which sounds bizarre, but we ended up with a hula hoop from the 74 floods because Mm -hmm. my dad worked at Rock Lee and um But back to, you know, the Tuesday that I, you know, it's so embedded in my memory. Um, First of all, we put things up on one brick and then um, Complete Stranger came and said, no, it's going to be worse than what they're um, anticipating. Is there anything that we can do? And because my husband was incapacitated, um, wasn't able to do some heavy lifting, he helped me lift our brand new washing machine that weighs an absolute tonne. And we put it up onto two bricks. And um, then it just proceeded. You know, then um, a great friend rang me and said, um, and this is late afternoon, probably about four o'clock, and said, you're in the blue. And I said, what on earth does that mean? Am I going under? And she said, yes, the flood maps, the council flood maps are out. 
you're in the blue, you're going to flood. We can come around with the you know Oxley Nursery trucks and load you up. Yep. So you had um, a friend who worked at the Oxley Nursery, um, had some trucks available and they came around. And what sort of stuff did you load in? And, and keep in mind, listeners, this is all within a space of a few hours. We've gone yeah. from expecting floodwaters ankle deep, lifting things up um, just one at, brick yep, or two bricks at, yep. at height. And a few hours later, now we're, we're actually removing our belongings, expecting floodwaters to inundate our home. So what was going through your mind at that point and what sort of things did you put in that truck? Um, so yeah, so my, my friend, like who now owns Oxley Nursery, it was a different name then, but she um, said, I'll come over now. And I went, no, I need to get my head around this. So then in that one hour until she came, I thought about, so our youngest was obviously moving into different types of toys, you know, from baby toys to toddler toys. So we took all the age-appropriate things. We left the cots and the, the everything there. Um, we got the beds, you know, things that were going to just be spoiled and, you know, wrecked. Um, you know, we'd left a big timber table and our pool table, and actually, yep. I think one of my memories of Scott <laughs> was that he came up with this great idea afterwards in the cleanup to gurney it off. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, they're, they're the things that we left and we left things then stacked on top of, you know, so toys and other things. You know, you just sort of... You try to look for the highest points. Yeah, and mm-hmm. how can we, like, you know, what could get us back what's you know what are the expensive things that you need to be able to live and you don't always need to live with toys but you needed beds and you know um you know things like that like I really don't know what was going through my brain can I also ask did you you know a lot of people think oh in emergencies like that I'll just take my photos I'll take my memories did those sorts of thoughts enter your mind yeah they did yeah so and they they didn't go with the trucks the photos and that all went into the car with the kids and us, yeah. like the pressure and the animals, you know, the precious mm. things you had to just have with you so that, you know, like it didn't matter what would happen, mm. you know, to the, you know, your stuff because that's all replaceable. Yeah. And obviously over this time, were you able to watch any water rising towards your home? Um. So I had delegated that job to my incapacitated husband on crutches. He Let's just verify <laughs> why he was incapacitated at the time. He had an injury that he was, or a surgery that he was yeah. recovering from. Yeah, he had a rod removed from his legs, leg um, and, yeah, so wasn't able to wait there. So, so you, you held a lot of the responsibility on your own shoulders whilst he was um, unable to, you know, be involved in heavy lifting, lifting and you really relied on friends and family around you at this time. Yeah. So add that to an already intense situation. So he being, was out on flood watch, is that being right? A, yeah. Being a male, I do feel sorry for him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did also be given the job to see if we could get Suncorp insurance. Oh, <laughs> at the last minute. Yeah, at the last minute. But, yeah, if we oh. couldn't. <laughs> so he watched the water rise? Yeah, he kept on going out the back, where is it now? So especially when it was dark. And um, so by the time... So, you know, um, you know, my friends, Caitlin and Andy, had come and packed their trucks as full as they could. Um, we'd just been back from camping and so we were using the tarp from camping and all of these things to help keep things dry. And, you know, one of my funniest moments was 
we just had our carpets cleaned three weeks prior and Andy, as a good gentleman, said to me, do you mind me wearing the boots, my work boots in the house so I don't have to keep putting them on and off? And I looked at him, I said, are you kidding? Like seriously, how much water is going to be in this place? I don't care about my carpets right now. So (laughs) hence I don't have carpets anymore. (laughs) But, yeah, like like just these funny little moments that you remember that you really do outweigh some of the negativity um, as well. But yeah, and, and I do remember your carpet. Yeah. Because I cut it up. Yeah, he had to roll <laughs> it up and put it out the front and I'm sure it was really, really heavy. Yeah. yeah. So what time that night did you actually leave your home and where was the water? Was it already starting to come in? Um, so not into the yard. So at 9pm we drove out, um, David and I, um, with the cat Um Caitlin had already taken the three kids down to her place and um, her eldest daughter um, cooked them dinner and was they were caring for them. Um, and then, yeah, so we drove out at yeah, 9 p.m. and at that point it was at our back fence. So our back fence is obviously the lowest point of our property and the highest point is our footpath. And what was going through your mind as you drove away that, you know, you're going to have to come back and have a clean up replacing, you know, carpets, but the things that you put up high are, are going to be safe. Is that, you know, what was going through your mind yeah, or like, can you recall? So one of like there's the most bizarre things I recall. So Caitlin and I stood there, I looked at the herbs and spices in the pantry and went, forget about them. Like we were exhausted. Oh. I had a teacup that I went to put in the dishwasher and the dishwasher wasn't there. And I went, oh. I suppose people aren't going to judge me because my teacup is on my bench and I left it on the bench, my favourite teacup. And then I we got to the front door and I said, oh, hang on, and I ran back into my mahogany timber blinds and I pulled them up as high as I could and then I think you walked in and around the corner the next day or mm. when we came back in so we can get get to that, you know, because just remember that the timber blinds being pulled up to their highest point. And then um, drove out, we spilt kitty litter all over the, or food, cat food or something all over our um, road. And I thought, who cares? It's going to all float away. You know, like (laughs) just let's go. Let's get out of here and what will happen will happen. We can't control it. Mm. But I suppose dig down there was a hope that they were all going to be wrong and it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so that was at 9pm on the 12th? Is that right? 11th, the 11th. On the 11th? Yeah. So 9pm on the Tuesday night. Yep. So then I frantically, like, so we just, you let it go and you, you we left in hope. Um, we had to then get directions on how to get to Oxley because we only ever went the way that's now cut off. Yep. Mm. And so, yeah, Caitlin had to direct us through the back ways Um then the next morning I was overcome with I didn't get the kids' bikes and a neighbour who was still there on the opposite side of the road, which is higher land, was still at home and they weren't responding. I tried frantically to get back to the home to save the bikes for whatever reason <laughs> and the way I had to come. So we'd gone that night to my mum's home at Windsor to a unit um, and then we came, I came from Windsor the most bizarre way and I was coming through Annalee and I can remember driving through, you know, past the Maccas at Annalee, which is, a, you know, like 
a part of my um, childhood. It was a big part of my childhood. And, and the sirens were going off and it was eerie and scary. And I thought, what on earth are you doing, Anne? And then Turn I kept, around. yeah, but I kept on driving Did and you? I got to the pamphlet bridge, which is a graceful and Tennyson graceful. Yes. And, um, and it was lapping the sides of that, like that bridge. And I thought, oh, I really need to get to those bikes, <laughs> like for whatever reason. And then I went, and I get, yeah, I get to those bikes, I won't be able to get back to my family. Yeah, so right. I turned around and I went back and I just had 24 hours with my family and then that was probably the end of my time with my kids and husband <laughs> because, because that's when yeah. the cleanup began. Yeah. So at what point um, had you been notified mm-hmm. of how high those floodwaters had reached um, through your home? Like were you notified of that or did you have to go back to the property before you knew that? Yeah, no, we went back in and it wasn't until you started driving down, so, you know, coming back in, which was the Friday morning. That was which, the 14th yeah. of January yeah. when the Mud Army just, you know, joined forces all throughout Brisbane and, you know, that's when the cleanup um, throughout so many suburbs began and, of course, you know, Scott and I, we were part of your Mud Army and we mm. were there waiting with you um, when you arrived that day to, to start the cleanup of your home. And I, yeah. I remember feeling so overwhelmed for you and just so overwhelmed with the situation. But, you know, tell us what was going through your mind at that point. So prior to even getting to Corinda, so by this stage we'd now moved to my auntie's place, which was high on a hill in the gap. So we were, <laughs> you, know, you know, didn't care about the flood water then. And it was surreal because over there life was just going on mm. and, like I can remember going to, um, I think it was like, is it Skurs, whatever the, you know, like oh, um, Bunnings, but the Mitre 10. So I went to Mitre 10. I wanted my flood army to be well protected because, you know, it was toxic um, water. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we just didn't want, I didn't want people to be, you know, revolted by the smell. Uh, you know, gloves, masks, you name it, all the things that you'd heard that, weren't available and you know the oxley bunnings you know had sold out well no it was flooded oh they were flooded yeah yeah so then all the ones local were sold out so Mm. yeah and i got a phone call while i was there saying come on you've got so many people outside your house and i went really and like and so then driving into my street it went from green to this line in the trees Mm. and the road that went brown and I was on the phone to a friend who was, you know, like just asking if they could help, all of that. And I vaguely remember that conversation but ended up hanging up on her, so she tells me years later, that I was just said, I'm <laughs> so sorry, I'm yeah. so overwhelmed with what I'm driving into and I hung up. And <laughs> then I pulled up and I can remember, you know, the kindergarten that one of, you know, my second son had just finished at, the president um, walked through and I had to shoulder my front door open and God that hurts and um, <laughs> and but it was all swollen and I couldn't yes. get in and then just probably swore because you know the chairs that we'd packed on top of the table with other things other toys that at the hope that we could save them had just floated and there was a chair behind the front door mm. and they were just scattered everywhere a, between this, you know, lounge room, dining area. And I remember the huge kitchen table yeah. balancing on top of the, 
the kitchen bench. So yeah. tell me about those timber blinds. Yeah. So I've walked up. walked around the corner and you were, I'm sure you were beside me. I perhaps yeah. I was. And I've um gone, yes. And you said, <laughs> what's yes? Like you've got this line of mud that is just under the tops of the windows. And I went, yes, but look at my blinds. And it was one centimetre lower than where my blinds had been pulled up to. And I thought, man, the things that you do, (laughs) that's the reason. And, yes, so we had this perfect line. And I'm pretty sure, uh, I haven't looked, but they're inside a cupboard um, that, you know, got covered up after, or there's white white bricks, painted bricks behind this cupboard and in that is a line that somebody then wrote flood 2011. And I still remember, and that was another one of my chippy friends. And I went, I don't really know if I want you to label it. I don't mm. want to know, like, because I didn't want to own it. I didn't want to accept that that's, and have happened. that memory. Mm. But now, yeah, like you go, yeah, pretty proud of that. It's, yeah. it's pretty hard to, to imagine, I guess, unless you actually go through something like that or see it. But you've gone from lifted up onto one brick to... <laughs> How far know, from the ceiling, Scott? From the top of the ceiling. So that's about 2.1 metres roughly. Yeah, so I think we were 1.93 yeah. was our, like, the, the actual point. Through know? the house. Yeah. yeah. So at, it's it's more than a standard person. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's two metres high that the water's gone through a house. Mm. Um, and I don't think people really understand what that actually does to a house. Mm. Not just the belongings and the... The things that we saw, like the, the table that four people probably had to lift, and it was actually sitting up on the kitchen table, mm, on the kitchen bench. bench. Yeah. Um, any clothes, anything that was left in the cupboards, um, oh, they're just completely that, underwater. Yeah. And and mud, not just water, but muddy river water yeah. that just, you know, I remember going through, I think it was in the, was it the kitchen? We opened up the kitchen pantry and water come out and there was there was a snake in one of them yeah that was actually in one of the cupboards and that jumped out and I think everyone jumped and ran away yeah but the damage that it does not just to those things but what it actually does to the house um Mm. as I mentioned earlier I we had to cut the carpet and we just cut it up and started to roll it up and that was so heavy because it was just drenched and we had to Mm. carry that outside and just dump it outside and Mm. um and then we just started to cut the walls yeah Um, and we just started to cut the chip rock on the walls to try and let the frame dry out and let mm. everything dry out. But it's you don't realise it, I think, until you actually see it and get to an idea what it's like. Yeah. And in that day, I think, on on that clean-up day, and I know I remember you being so overwhelmed being inside that you set up outside on the footpath um, and all of your mud army kept bringing things outside to you yeah. and you put had two piles. Mm. One was a throw-out pile and one was a clean-up-and-keep Yep. What was going through your mind at that time as everything that you owned was being pulled out onto the front footpath? Um, I really don't know what was, like I definitely was overwhelmed inside and couldn't cope with all the, you know, what will I do with this? What will I do with this? And that was my way of, I suppose, taking control of what had just happened mm. to my home. And and I think, you know, like I you just had to keep on saying, you know, what's most important being your children, your husband, you know, we're all safe. And then all the people that were helping, I wanted them to stay safe and none of us get sick. And, yeah, so, like, it was, I don't know, like, it, 
a good cull is what I was. one way of looking at the bright side. Yeah, you look you look back and I think, you know, like I was ready for a big cull and far out I'm never going to think that again. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess when your possessions are being wheeled out in a wheelbarrow because they're just, you don't really know what they are when they're just brown and muddy and sloppy um, from that floodwater and smelly and that's something that I recall, just the smell of the, um, the mud that was left through the home. Yeah. But I guess, you know, by the end of that day, Scott, obviously being a builder, you were trying to lead um, with some direction for, mm. for those that were there in terms of what needed to happen to get the place back to a livable state as soon as possible. Where, ha- at the end of that day, Scott, do you recall what had been achieved? And I know Anne's possessions had all been pulled out, but what did you also achieve in terms of the building itself? Yeah, so, I mean, as as we said, Anne's, uh, I think I remember um, drawers of underwear getting carried out. I know. Oh, my God, that was very embarrassing. <laughs> Somebody, like, Jerry said, what do you want me to do with this? <laughs> oh, my God, I'll deal with that. And that was an undies and bra drawer. <laughs> yeah. But but once once it's all taken out, the only thing that you can do is, is actually try and, air it out and open it up and mm. let it dry. It was actually really humid as yeah. well. So I do remember the humidity because of the moisture and the heat. Um, but we literally cut the carpet, removed mm. the carpet. All of the belongings yeah. were taken yeah. out. Um, we then cut the, the walls. The chip rock. The I think gyp, that was the, the next the day. Wall. My memory was the... Gurning it out. Yeah, like gurneying was the Friday and just pulling things yeah. out. And then the next day, like, but you'd given the plan to you know, David, the incapacitated husband, husband that then had to then part, like put on to another chippy friend um, and it was then that next day, that Saturday, that had the string line and he came and put, you know, a blue string line which, oh, my gosh, you know, haven't carpenters become a little bit more clever or lazy, <laughs> whichever way you want to look at it. And, yeah, and then it was from that minute, like it was cut and then demolished and that's when yeah. the the guy that owned it, well, he was a, I think, an eleven-year-old um, when the at, 74 yeah, floods in the came seventy-four through. floods, and he walked in with his wife and son, and said to me, "We woke up this morning and we've decided that we'd come and help." And and she, the wife, said, "You're going to tell her?" And I said, "Tell me what?" And he said, "I lived here in '74." Well, yeah. I was overcome with emotion. I had goosebumps from top to toe, and I went. Oh my goodness! How old were you? And I'm I'm pretty sure he was eleven. And that's all off the back of the the surprise, I guess you felt knowing the real estate agent had told you the property wasn't even <laughs> built in 1974. Yeah. So there was a lot. Yeah. Of, so it was know, one month old. They'd been they moved in in the December, and yeah, wow. And the house next door, the keys didn't get handed over because something was wrong with it. Hmm. So the new owner hadn't moved in, and yeah. So, so, so once they've once they've obviously done the clean up and they've cut the walls and mm. let everything dry out, there was a bit of a time frame obviously there before the the rebuild. Yes. What so, was the sort of timing on that? Do you know? So I know we were back in in record time, which was six weeks, yep. and I think that was just because I had such great friends that were plumbers and chippies and electricians. Um, and at that point, my husband was just an electrician, like an apprentice electrician. But, you know, like that time frame, there was a lot of, I think it was maybe a couple of weeks, a week or so, we were were blessed, I suppose, that we had hardwood frames, pine frames walked and, but the hardwood took 
a lot more to get the smell out of it. So I don't remember your memory, Melinda, of the um, the smell on the actual day, but I can remember walking down the hallway when our second child, who was so five at the time, said our house was sticks. So at this point, no one had seen. So my husband couldn't come in, my kids couldn't come in until two weeks after. Yeah. And we were waiting for the big dump pile to be removed um, so that they couldn't see all their possessions. And, you know, David could not come in for risk of infection. And so in, and it must have been that two-week time frame and then we started building afterwards. But you'd walk down the hall and go, oh, no, that still smells. So out came your bottles of disinfectant yeah. and mm. I'd spray my frame like never in my wildest dreams. <laughs> and I said this to the guy that lived there when he was 11. I said, never in my wildest dreams would I have thought to see my house like this. And he said, I do. You know, <laughs> you know, like, and I went, what? And, yeah. Yeah, and we would just keep pumping in the disinfectant and I remember having to go to Windsor near my mum and buying fans so our mm. fans were flooded and to get a fan was so hard everybody but, was after fans yeah, yeah. so yeah. had these yep, these go. fans that would just go 24 7 mm. to dry out yeah everything inside yeah. so so moving on after it obviously you you've rebuilt the house to um, to a livable state and, yeah. and what you wanted again. Yeah. Um, and life continued on pretty happily. No no floods, no issues. No. You've got the parkland. Yeah, got the parkland. And as I said, you know, it does become a lake view every now and then, which is a lovely change as long as it stops. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we did, like in those afterwards, and especially two years later, they did, um, you know, say that there was going to be another 74 floods. And, I went, oh, my gosh, I could not, I don't have the energy to do that again mm. because, you know, still, so one of my celebrations of the 10-year anniversary is actually I'm going to paint my front door, which I've never painted. And I don't know if it was, I'm I'm scared of closure and I don't know, like, I, whatever reason it is, but it's going to be painted, you know, like in the next week. Um, <laughs> A nice blue watercolour. Well, turquoise. <laughs> turquoise it is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome that was the water. the colour of the water. No, no, I know. But, yeah, but it's the colour of the sea. I'm welcoming the water. If you really <laughs> must enter my home again, but please don't. <laughs> so what about the water now? Uh, I know that Melinda's, she was going to talk about that as well. Um, yeah, one thing you mentioned um, earlier, Anne, is that the water, um, you know, when it does rise, is it still rising in the same way or are you starting to notice changes as a result of um, increasing development in and around the area? Yeah. So we aren't firsthand affected. Yes, it does like build up in heavy downpours, that stormwater um, area out the back, which flows straight into the Oxley Creek. Um, that builds up but, you know, goes down pretty quickly. The times that um, they threaten another 74 flood, 2011 flood, um, it it does linger a little but it doesn't get any, you know, higher than this sort of like point and, yep. you know, we're happy with that. We've got a, a tree out the back that is our flood plan, you know, gets to this, you know, pine tree that looks like a big Christmas tree. That's when we start seriously packing things up. Um, and if it got beyond another tree, we'd we'd leave. You know, like mm. we. So we've got a flood plan, and and in our flood plan, I'd like boxes up in the you know in our ceiling because people ran out of boxes and storage mm. to pack things up and take them. Um, you know, like I suppose part of you know 
why we're still there 10 years later. You've, you've got to have that trust that the, the council will give us enough warning. Um, it's not like a, a cyclone or a fire that you, you do have time to get things out, your, your possessions out. But, you know, we do, we have this plan and always in our, the back of our mind was a plan of building up and yeah, like, at, you know, 10 years, you know, that's our plan that we've, we're building up at like a parent retreat, but it'll also be flood, you know, like where everything will go upstairs, up you know, the staircase is going to be wide enough that you can get, you know, big right. beds and big things up, you know, still, we will not be able to carry the pool table upstairs, but we know. Absolutely. There is a little bit of a stain, but you know, again, and I think that, you know, one of the the big things that was so unique about the 2011 floods is that we had such heavy downpours from above for the three days prior, um, which caused so much creek Mm. swelling. And then what was the turning point was when the Wyvernhoe Dam was, you know, released and the water came through the Brisbane River. So it was a combination of both creek flooding and river flooding that caused such significant impact Mm. at that time. We've not had the same set of circumstances where we've had this huge water release from Wyvernhoe Dam at the same time as significant rain events. So it's only if that perfect set of circumstances or imperfect set of circumstances arises again would your home be, you know, impacted in that way. But it's definitely you know, good to understand what, um, you know, what what you're doing and, and it's so exciting to hear that you're building up and I know that's been a plan of yours for a number of years um, and, you know, as we always say, you can't change the location but you can change the home and obviously the reasons you bought your home was to have that view to feel like you're living in the country, even though you're living in the city. Um, Obviously, you've decided that those things outweigh the risk of, you know, another significant flood event. And, you know, you've survived it once. If and when it ever happens again, I'm sure you would be able to, you know, survive it for a second time. So I take my hat off to you. I think you're very courageous. Yeah, let's not, let's hope that doesn't ever happen (laughs) again. We don't don't want that. Um, Now, and obviously, you're rebuilding your doing extensions and renovations and making the house your, your dream home for the area um, for the kids to continue to grow up in. You work in a local business there. I do. Um, so it's, get, if I'm correct, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Zudu Hair Services. Yep, sure um, is. What do you do? So I'm a hairdresser by trade, and I've also then worked in with special needs kids in a kindergarten. So I've mushed my two things together, and I provide um, haircuts for people with special needs, because I firmly believe that everyone should be able to um, enjoy the hair cut um, service and lots of those children with special needs don't. It's overwhelming. And that's a mobile business? It sure is. Yeah, okay. Yep. Excellent. How can people get in touch with you, Anne? So I'm on Facebook and if you just search Zudu Hair Services and you'll find me. How do you spell that? Z-U-D-O-O. We'll put those uh, that information in the show notes so people know how to get in touch. Yeah, excellent. Look, it's been great chatting. Um, wow, 10 years. It's, it's yeah. almost to the day. It's getting pretty close. So um, I hope in a few days' time when it is the 13th, you can have a quiet glass of wine at home and reflect, of, reflect and <laughs> yeah. think of what you've been through and, and obviously the positives that have come out now. And look um, at my painted door. And look at your painted, <laughs> painted door. Um, that, look, I'll, I'll let Melinda wrap up and say a thank you to you, Anne. Um, from me, thanks very much for joining us. No, thank um, you. I hope that's been interesting for everyone and um, look forward to chatting more 
this year and, and bring some more stories and interesting facts and obviously Melinda a bit more data no doubt so <laughs> for me I'll uh, let Melinda wrap it up thanks very much and take care bye for now Yes, before I do wrap it up, I do want to say a very big thank you, Anne, for joining us today. Thank you, Melinda. It's been um, great to bring you this story and I hope it helps you understand what that real impact can be um, if you are in a flood impacted area. Um, We really appreciate the honesty of Anne's story and I hope you've really enjoyed that too. But look, this is the first of many um, exciting podcasts that we have planned for 2021. Let's hope this year turns out to be a better year than last year. It's certainly looking to be that way here in the Brisbane property market. Don't forget, if you are enjoying our episodes, please leave us a review. Tell your friends and family about our podcast. Share the love. Um, Until next week, take care and bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.